Ted Preister is a man I've come to respect quite a bit. He's the executive director at the Red River Basin Commission out there doing what we talked about, talking about infrastructure, talking about how to get things moving in the area that we all need, uh, the relationship that they built with Minnesota and Canada and, and uh, how you bring all of these folks together when, you know, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting. And so when you're able to get these people together and have them get into a room and, and talk about things where they can move forward, that alone is pretty impressive. Ted, good to have you on News and Views. Always a pleasure to be back on, Joel. Good morning and uh, happy holiday season. Yeah, it's that time. You got your Christmas lights up? I do have my Christmas lights up and, and lit as of uh, last weekend since Thanksgiving is over. I, I have a hard line. Can't turn on the lights before Thanksgiving is That done. was us too. It, yeah. You know, we had timers on and everybody's like, okay, now. You, you can do it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of the other way. Whereas if you put all the work up and did it, just turn them on, you know. But nope, uh, my, my brother and my wife won. They won, um, well, the wife always wins. Well, <laughs> on our wedding days, <laughs> so so uh, you know. By the way, Ted can go to the M and J tonight and win what again? He, uh, you could win a ice castle That's toy right. hauler. All you gotta do is stop by. But See, because you, you're probably not qualified yet, but we can get one more last minute qualifier tonight. You have to show up tonight. You have to be though. present to win. Have to be present to win the M and J tonight. And then what you do is you win that, and then you borrow it to your friend Joel all right. winter. How's that? That's how that works. <laughs> it's we, in the, it's we in can the, work something. Yeah, it's it's a, in the fine print. Something <laughs> tells me that's not going to happen. But other than that, um, you do have a conference coming up in West Fargo, which is why I asked you and tell people what this is going to be about. Yep. So it's our annual conference, 41st annual conference, Land and Water Summit. Uh, we'll be bringing in people from all across the basin, Winnipeg, all the way out. Uh, Director Travnik from the Department of Water Resources in Bismarck has already said she's coming. We all, almost always get John Jasky from... Uh, Bowser in Minnesota, so we'll have leaders for water and land from across the basin in West Fargo this year, and we have a big uh, focus this year on soil health and soil's connection to our water. So West Fargo isn't normally the spot I think of when you hold your convention. Uh, what, where, why? We have always uh, been in the Delta before, but this year we wanted to try something different, so we're going to the West Fargo Convention Center. A really great facility with the two hotels right there behind the Blarney Stone. We're excited to have a, a fresh venue and, and see if we can change things up and make it better. We might go back to the Delta. Who knows? Uh, but it's the 16th, 17th, and 18th. Is that yeah. the right dates? Tuesday? No, uh, that's that's the right dates. Um, yeah, 16th, 17th, and 18th Normally, average is the one I look at for this one, but I'm fairly confident. That probably the reason I remember it was it's my mom's birthday. She since has gone to the great beyond. And she's like, he still remembers my birthday. That's a good oh. thing. Anyway, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if people, when you go to this conference, which I've been at many times, describe to people what happens. So we we try to cover the entire range of really technical topics all the way down to just general good interest or success stories, things that have happened positive this year for water in the basin. Uh, so we have about 60 different presenters over the course of three days, starting Tuesday at, uh, at 1 o'clock. Uh, and we will talk about you know flooding and water quality. There'll be some habitat stuff going on. Anything that has to do with the river will be, uh, will be open for discussion. And this year, our keynote, we're really excited to have Jerry Doan from Bismarck. He's a regenerative farmer out in Bismarck and has some really great stories about progress and how that helps water. Okay, I want to. I know that there's been money that you've been awarded uh, soil health. Uh, walk people through that. 
So, yeah, huge announcement on 1 November from uh, the current administration and the USDA. We were awarded a $20 million grant in partnership with uh, another nonprofit out of Vermont, the Sustainable Food Labs. And we're going to be striving with the corporate partners. There's another $10 million from corporate partners to uh, try to overcome some barriers to adopting conservation practices. Uh, now, I, I'm excited that I don't have to sell this to producers because – Frankly, I don't know anything about production ag. That That is their business, and they are the best at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but where there are options for including that, we'd like to be able to help them get over some hurdles, get a little funding from the government and our corporate partners, and maybe reduce a little bit of the the administrative overhead that they have to do. That's, that's our role in the thing, is just trying to do some of the paperwork and, and connecting the dots. I, I'm think that people like myself could do a better job of explaining the transition that farmers themselves had made on, on what you just described. I, when I first took this job driving up and down the interstate every day, you would see piles of black dirt in the ditch, just piles of black dirt. You know, farmers weren't doing a good job of conserving soil or at least the practices that they had been taught or what was part of their life, or at least how you should do things, that's all changed. It's changed a lot. You know, we've been talking about reduced tillage and and conservation tillage since the 50s. The USDA has been working on that. But it's still got to fit within the business model. And, you know, a lot more farmers are figuring out ways to make it still be profitable and conserving that soil for their future generations. They want to keep that land ready for their children or whoever's going to inherit that land and keep moving. So it's just a great partnership. Do do you think some of the groups that they might've considered enemies before and enemies isn't too strong a word, you know, they, they they looked at certain environmental groups as though they were really out to get them. Uh, Now, when I come to one of your conferences, what I see is a partnership that's formed. Uh, Have we changed enough where we can say that, look, we're winning at this. Oh, that that's a loaded question. I there are certainly groups that have tr- transitioned and are not enemies; they're partners. But there's still lots of opportunity to demonize producers that they're not doing the right thing, and you can see it every day in headlines around the country. So I like to be a partner that tells the story of all the great things that producers are doing. That you know they they have a vested interest in doing what's right. And they still have a right to make money. So how do you balance those, you know, make a living? Um, And I think producers do a great job of that. But I'm not sure that everyone is on board with telling that story accurately. Where I always get the most mad is is when they act as though the egg producer doesn't love the soil. (laughs) I mean, I've never met a farmer yet that doesn't love the soil, that that doesn't love the ground that they farm. They abs well. They'd always like some better soil if they oh, could sure. get it. I mean, but, that's called a business. But, but there's yeah, it's in that's their, life. their livelihood, right? Well, it's in their bloodstream. I mean, they, they when you get out there in the spring and you you ask them how did it smell, they get this they smile know. on their face. <laughs> they, and they, you look at them out there harvesting corn, and some of those guys are still doing it. How did it smell? You know, I don't ever see. You know, first question I always ask: How did it smell? It isn't how it looked. It isn't. Because they just, it makes them smile. Well, you know, I drive across the landscape all the time for my job, all throughout the basin, and I can sort of tell the season from the smell. You know, as we drive north, 
I get through Hillsboro there. I smell the sugar beet factory kicking up. So we, all right, the beets are in process. I drive by piles. I can smell the wheat harvest sometimes. Those those things are always on the air, and that's just a sign of how great it is to live here in the basin. Ted Preister's our guest. He is the executive director at the Red River Basin Commission. They've got their upcoming conference in West Fargo in January and a major new grant from uh, the feds for soil health uh, project. Ted, uh, can the public go to this? We're, we're always trying to get more public involvement, stakeholders. Everybody is a stakeholder here in the basin. So, yeah, we'd love to see you out there um, for a session or, you know, the whole the whole agenda. Uh, if you visit our website at www.redriverbasincommission.org, our agenda for the conference is out there, so you can look at uh, all the different topics and see if there's something that interests you. We'd love to see you out there. See, I think what's the most unique about your organizations and the ones you work with uh, is the fact that you've got South Dakota, a small footprint, I realize, <laughs> but you've got North Dakota, Minnesota, and Canada. And these three big ones don't always get along and agree. No, absolutely not. There's a there's a bunch of topics that I'm in discussions with right now that are contentious issues. Uh, they've been around for 80 years, and they'll be around for another 50 years as we try and work through how to manage all of these borders and the different ways of uh, different perspectives for water management. Uh, but everyone always has a good conversation, and they always learn something when they come out to our meetings. So... Uh, we're always happy to, you know, add to our stakeholders, the people that we talk to. What what I'm amazed at is how you can see the different management philosophies from the road. Uh, <laughs> and you know exactly what I'm getting at. You you, you look at, you, you drive from Fargo North right now, and what do you see? Well, you see a great big diversion being built. You know, water kind of pushed, not kind of, pushed south, water uh, protected going north. You look at um, when you go up into Manitoba, the ring dikes around farms. It's it's substantial. Completely different perspectives and and, and math. It, really, the Manitoba did math differently than North Dakota does math, and and that is all part of sort of the perspective of the the jurisdiction. And we have to work within those perspectives and, and find ways to communicate across those differences but also the governance the the ability to form and create laws that affect the environment affect how water flows you know i remember in the early days and i think north dakota's actually gotten better at this but in my days in in the north dakota senate it was done by county i mean everything was done by county so if you lived in in kind of the head of the wild rice river for example and you were out in sergeant county once it got to richland county i don't care not your problem. Uh, and R Richland <laughs> County, once it got to Cass County, I don't care. And Cass County, once it got to Trail County, and then when I can keep going up the counties all you want. But, you know, now it the Minnesota model of looking at managing it by watersheds, it seems to me, has been looked at harder. You know, it's constantly evolving. Even if you go talk to the water boards in Minnesota, they'll tell you there's still challenges. They they their funding models and being able to cross those boundaries. But every year, every month, every week, every time we have a meeting and discuss these, we get closer to the right answer if there is such a thing. But I think that they're all effective at this point. You just have to be able to operate within the constrict constrictions, 
Yep. Yeah, I don't know. So since 2020, no, since 1993 uh, really is when we started a wet cycle. Now, there's been drier years in that. I get it. But 1993 on has been a wet cycle. You look at Devil's Lake, it's dropped now. Uh, I think some might argue that we're headed into a, a drier cycle. I don't know that that's true or not. I think that that's, you know, some scientists might say that. If it's a drier cycle, the narrative or the conversation has to be completely different than what it's been since 1993. I, y- yes, a dry cycle is coming. It, are we in it? I don't know. That's that's not what I do, but it's going to come around. And if we haven't already had these conversations about how to be prepared for those dry cycles, then we're going to be in trouble. And and the basic commission is constantly doing that. We have water supply working group that we talk about it because ninety percent of the people in the basin drink water from the Red River. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way up to the boundary of Winnipeg, everybody is drinking Red River water. And if that water goes dry. What are we going to do then? And, you know, that isn't even to speak of agriculture and what happens if they have a dry cycle and and how does our economy across the entire region react to that? And so, again, soil health is a component of how to make sure that you are better prepared uh, for a drier period. What's the biggest challenge that the Red River Basin has? The biggest challenge? (laughs) Um, Well, I... It's probably climate change in the grand scheme of things. You know, I, the unpredictability. What's really going to happen here? Because it's the same problem we've already had for the last 100 years or whatever. We're in the middle of the continent. No, the weather models aren't great for how how things are going to happen in the long term. So there is so much uncertainty for how much precipitation, when we get that precipitation. and And is it coming in a... A foot in a day that we get rain that that hurts. Yeah. Uh, so I think we that's we, the folks out in Dickey County when eight inches of rain came all at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Ted Preister is our guest. He is the executive director at the Red River Basin Commission. They got a big meeting coming up. One more time, tell people how and where to go. And the, it it would obviously help if they didn't just show up if they <laughs> registered. Fair. It would be helpful if you registered. If if you want to have lunch with us, you know that's part of the registration fee. But it's. 16 through 18 January at the West Fargo Convention Center. If you visit our website, redriverbasiccommission.org, you can get the whole agenda and registration, all of those details there on that website. Keep doing what you do. Thank you. Uh, your, your organization, Julie, in the whole, you notice how I slipped Julie in there? Mm. Viking fan. Uh, is she still a Viking fan? She is, though she'll deny it sometimes. <laughs> but if you're going to give Julie a shout out, I got to give a shout out to Stacy and Rita too. Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry about that, Stacy and Rita. I'm just talking Vikings here. You know <laughs> how Julie and I at times just you know it's hard. It's just hard so to be hard. a Vikings fan. It's just it's it's predictable in some ways how the end result is. That part's predictable. Thanks, Ted. Thanks <laughs> Thank for coming you. in.